0: 2021. We kicking off with a big big interview. Big big year. I hope the same for you. I thank Cam for being on this one. This is a special one. Without further ado, let's get into it. We did it, Brooklyn. We did it.
1: Let's go. Uh 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 uh, uh, uh. Spit the murder, murder, murderous smoke. My, my murderous shit. Uh, 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 uh uh, I keep the gangsta, gangsta, gangsta. Gangster. Yeah, yeah, the gangsta. Feel me? Uh, I Spit that block, in book, the book, the book. Yo, career crook, nobody rap Brooklyn like me Jigger Man, you three, I'm packed looking like me Stop the presses, baby girls, drop your dresses BK, lick liquor shop for big pop in heaven
0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening Welcome to This Is Recorded Podcast This is a special, special podcast for me It's so crazy, you follow things you into You never know the outcome of what'll happen, man So, uh, you know, since we both share Jay-Z in common I'm sure he'll understand when I say, uh, you know, Jay-Z's unplugged. I want to say he's, he's the king of the, the parties. I want to say he might be the, the king of the marketing. I want to say he might be uh, handcrafted. I want to say, do say, I want to say so much, but I'll let you introduce yourself, King. Please introduce yourself.
1: Thank, first of all, thank you for having me, Reggie. Uh, My name's Cam, Cam McCullough, um, AKA Coolest Kid Out on uh, all socials. Um, Founder, creator of uh, the infamous Duce Palooza, formerly Henny Palooza. Um, Also founder of 1824 Group, which is my creative agency, um, where we do, we specialize in just content creation, um, marketing strategy, influencer marketing, yeah, uh, a bunch of other things. So, um, no nah, man, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Um, this is this is you know the, the new way of of doing these type of things, which is I'm still not used to even almost a year into it. But uh, no, yeah. nonetheless, blessed to be here, man. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it's just a blessing to be healthy and alive, man. But I wanna
1: Definitely.
0: I wanna flip this on you, man. I, I'm gonna do a little trickaroo right here. <laughs> you might know this question because you originated mm-hmm. this question. Let's bring mm-hmm. us back from that handcrafted if you listen. I think that drops every Monday. Make sure you get in tune yeah. with that. Uh yes. take us to seven year old Cam. Show okay. us your show us your world. Show us your your lifestyle. What's going on around
1: you? Let's let's let's
0: ask the the host his own question.
1: <laughs> I like that. Um seven year old Cam, man, I, I had I I was um I had a very, a very blessed childhood. Um, I am the youngest of, of three children. Um, I, I'm the only boy in my family. Um, my, my parents, uh, my father um, passionately was a musician. Uh, my mother was an electrical engineer. Um, and I just, uh, the year was 1992. Um, so you guys know my age at this point. So I, and I, I had, um, the, my, the world around me was, was, was crazy in the sense that, you know, I was, I was in the, the second grade. Um, I was infatuated with sports, mainly, mainly football and, and basketball, not only playing them, but, but watching them. Um, so, you know, I was, I grew up in, in really what was like the golden era to me, um, you know, speaking, speaking biasly of, of culture, um, you know, and just being able to, to see kind of, you know, the, the evolution of the evolution of sports, the the, the evolution of, of, of music, of hip hop, of, of, of hip hop, of R&B, of soul, um, the evolution of marketing. Um, and so I was at the epicenter of all of that in 92. Um, and yeah, man, I was, I was this big headed, um, just inquisitive kid who, who was encouraged to, to question everything. So I did, um, you know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a question that was off limits in, in my house. So, you know, I was super thankful for that. I was always just, you know, looking to learn and, um, at seven years old, you know, that you, 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 granted people always want their kids to be willing to learn and tell them things like that, but it was really encouraged in my house, which it had its benefits, but it also it also had, um, you know, its consequences as well. And it also had just like people that that that, that upset, you know, mainly like my teachers. But um, but yeah, man, that was that was seven year old me, man, just uh, a, a, a sponge, a sponge of, of everything around me. You know, um, even more context, I grew up in the church. Um, so in addition to being a musician and also working his his uh, his day job, my father was a minister as well. So, um, you know, I, I had I had the the, the pleasure um, and all the stereotypes of growing up in, in the black church. So, you know, my, my faith is a, is a big part of my life, um, something that I've, I've, I've circled back to, especially as I've gotten older. But, um, yeah, man, seven year old camp. That, that was me. I, I hope I hope I began to answer the question or give you some some context.
0: Oh, yeah. But just to be correct, is the is the town New York City?
1: No, so at this time at seven, I'm actually in uh, upstate New York. I'm in Buffalo, New York, at the time. Okay,
0: shout out to Griselda, definitely, man. (laughs) Shout out to them, man. But uh, so in school with Cam, now I heard you talk about on handcrafted already. You wasn't really too heavy in school, but did you have any idea of what you wanted to do when you? Oh,
1: yes and no. Um, I, I let me let me even clarify that part. I. I didn't dislike school. I actually, I loved everything about school, mm-hmm. um, except like the actual educational part because yeah. I didn't feel like I was, I didn't really feel like I was learning a ton of stuff that I couldn't learn on my own. But in school, like I was, I, I had really good grades. I had really good grades, um, I had really good grades um, pretty much up until like the middle of high school. I, I had very good grades. And then um, what ended up happening for me was, and this is kind of like a a story of my life. Like I I was really good at a lot of things, but I didn't really have a passion for for a lot of stuff. So like for me, like I was great at math. So everyone was like, oh, you should, you know, you need to be, you know, this profession, you can go be an an architect, you can go be an, an engineer. And you know, my mother's an engineer. So that was kind of put onto onto my radar from a very early age. And the thing, one of the things about me is like, as I got into things, like I didn't, like I would always like try something. And if I didn't like it, I would just stop doing it. And I couldn't really, like, I didn't, I wasn't attracted to any profession. Like I didn't see, I didn't know what a market was, but like, I, I didn't like, I would see like lawyers, doctors, you know, policemen, firefighters, and, you know, um, people who worked for, who worked for the, the city and, you know, all that stuff and like bus drivers. And I knew, I knew what everything was, but I had no particular passion. And like, even down to the point where like in high school, um, I had actually went to, to study in I, uh, architectural engineering. And cause at that point, that was kind of what I was groomed to, 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 get into. But beyond that, like, I thought architecture was fly, you know, like, I felt like designing hotels and like designing, you know, large stadiums and, and designing a, apartment buildings. I thought that was fly. Like, so I was like, yeah, I could do that. And then, but like, once I got into like the real nitty gritty of of architecture, I was like, oh no, 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 this is, I, I, I don't want to do this. So, um, so yeah, man, I kind of took, even if you look over my career, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into, but like, if, as you look over my career, like I haven't, I haven't stuck to one thing you know, so I haven't been in, in a, in, I've never been scared to try things, but then on the flip side of it, I w I hadn't found really something that stuck and was personal to me that I felt like I could excel at until much later in, in my career. But yeah, in school I was encouraged to try everything. And I was just like, eh, like, you know, my, my mom, because I was, I, I was pretty good with words and I was able to like, you know, persuade people. And she's like, you should be a lawyer. I was like, absolutely not. And then you know, like, they like you should you should be this, you should be you should be a doctor. And I think like that's kind of the thing when you get a kid who's intelligent, like you want them to shoot for those those type of jobs, not knowing. And you know, it's the '90s. You know, it's the '90s and it's it's 2000. So my my parents don't know what marketing experiential marketing is. They don't know what you know advertising is. They don't know like dig, digital media wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so. In that, in that frame, it's like the possibilities that were there, my parents weren't entirely aware of. And, um, you know, and even in, in the world that I was in, those just weren't things that people talked about. So it was more of, more so the traditional jobs, you know? So I, I hope, again, and I'm going to stop saying this, but I hope no, I answered no, your question.
0: No, no, <laughs> you're great, man. But I know you as a master marketer and the parties and everything, but when was that first taste of like, hey, I think I like this and I think I want to do this with my life. When was that?
1: Um it was kind of one of those things again that I was just good at. Um I think like what was what was great to me was was that that ability to connect with people and and you know kind of just get people to get people to do something or persuade people to do something. So like for me, like when I when I started throwing parties, I was in high school. And I learned from this guy, uh, this guy named Bart Williams, like this is his real name, his name's Bart Williams. And he taught me, like, he was just like, yo, pass these flyers out for me, like, you know, go hand in hand, like, and, and, you know, get people to come to, 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 you know, to little high school parties. And I was like, yeah, like, I, I, and I love that. I lo- it gave me like, just a feeling of accomplishment in a way. I like, yeah, I was able to get people to do something. And as I was learning that, like, I, I was just fine just doing that. Like I was fine, like passing out flyers, get my, you know what I'm saying, a little $50, $60, you know, to, to stack, stack, stack that up to, you know, buy, buy me some shoes or buy me some jeans and call it a day. It wasn't until I got to college um, that I understood, I started to want to understand the business of of that. And, you know, so I but I I started at the at the ground level, you know, which is like street team. And then I was eventually in college, like maybe my sophomore year, I was like, yeah, I wanna, I wanna run my own little promotional company. And um, I started this group called Cool Kids Entertainment in, uh, in college. And we, we were we, we were up against maybe like four or five different promotional groups at the time. So you know, in college, everybody's really trying to differentiate themselves and like just find like what their identity is. That's why you got different groups for everything. you know So you got like your Greek orgs and you got like your, your student organizations. So everybody's kind of trying to find their own distinction. And for me, my 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 differentiation factor like what made us different was just how authentic we were and i was like yo, like we want to do it in a way where we're not we're not looking to ever like do the biggest events or you know have the most people but we absolutely want ours to be the best and have you know this different type of different type of energy and different type of vibe so that was my marketing strategy i was like yo like you can come yeah, like, yeah, everybody does the big parties at the big clubs, you know, in college, but like, yo, we, we're gonna do this house party or we're gonna do this like kickback style party and like, you can come and be yourself basically. And like, we were, like our slogan was like, everybody can be a cool kid basically. And that was like kind of where it started. So you saw, you saw a way, or I saw a way to to be inclusive, you know, and to and to to kind of empower people in a way, just through partying. And, you know, like people always say that, like, it was just parties, it's just parties, but, that's you see so much of a reflection of the world in parties that I was like, you know, that's just a space. And it was a space that I enjoyed. So like, I enjoyed seeing a club fill up, you know, I enjoyed seeing, like, like kind of people watching and watching people progress through a party from, you know, early stages, not really mingling with nobody, ordering their drinks kind of standoffish to like, end of the night everybody's everybody's friends it's an Everybody, entire you know, so vibe like, after that yeah so, so like vibe. that that was what i took enjoyment in and you know so i think to, to answer your question of when it clicked uh it was probably in college um although i still didn't see i didn't see a a career or even you know a, a a way to a way to sustain that really past past college i didn't really have a desire to um but i did i did see the value in it when I was when
0: I was in school. Definitely, and, and marketing is so important and you do it so well with everything I see you do. Um, but, uh, you know, that's what I'm trying to work on on my end. Like, I know I have a good product here. I just gotta market it the right way and figure it out. Cause you know, one mm-hmm. of my favorite stories in marketing, I'm sure you probably heard it before, but like just Puffy's undenying drive to just like, I'm gonna win and I'm gonna do it my way. And I love yep. the uh, Andre Harrell analogy of Ghetto Fabulous. Like I could still do something that the hood gonna connect, and I'm gonna make it look beautiful. Like uh, you know the whole Big Mac story. If if you ever heard yep. that, you know it just was something that you need to take what you have and turn it into something. We'll get into Ducey Blues and how <laughs> it started. Just taking what you have, yep. but it's just so important. Is that so many people think. Well, it was a million marketing dollars and this and that into it, but it's something about taking what you have. Big with Puffy, the idea of taking a tape and buying a hundred Big Macs, and we're gonna have we're gonna slide the tape in the Big Mac, and we're gonna have it. And somebody in you, this could be the worst rapper in the world, but you gonna remember like, damn, like that shit was kind of interesting the way he gave me that tape. Like I might as well listen to it because of the way he packaged it. I want you to talk about the importance of marketing because you can have something that's great, but if nobody really sees it, if it's not shown and just really doing what you got, how important is marketing?
1: Uh, Marketing is, is crucial. And what I, what I tell people all the time um, when it comes to, to, to marketing a product um, is first to, to your point, the product has to be good. It just, it has to be because, At the end of the day, the best marketing is storytelling. And if you're able to tell a good story around either a a good idea or a good product, then that's good marketing, right? Like you you mentioned the the Big Mac promo. If if Biggie's music is terrible, no one cares. Like that 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 marketing isn't that's not great, that's not good marketing because it's like you weren't marketing a, a good product. Whereas like I feel like the best, like the best marketing campaigns and some of the biggest ones that you've ever seen had the smallest budgets mm-hmm. because they were able to they're able to find a really good story and, like, and craft a really good story. And what happens is and, and I, what I tell people, too, is everyone loves a good story from your you know, your, your my, my eight year old nephew to you know my my 71 year old father like if you can find a good story people will gravitate towards that and when I when I think around like my thing around marketing is I can't market something one if it's not good and if I can't create a good story around it and like we'll we'll talk about um Palooza in general but the thing is like for me marketing is a secondary tool. Um, it's not marketing is not the it's not the key. It's a part of it's a part of it's a part of the stew, but it's not it's not the main thing because you can't. It's it's like having I don't want to I don't want to botch this analogy, but it's like having a really good salad dressing on on a bad salad, like
0: old salad or something like bad lettuce
1: stuff like that. I don't I don't really like the the dressing may be phenomenal, and like you know we may have spent all this money on this campaign um, for, for, for Pepsi. And if the product is, is bad, it doesn't matter, but what marketing can do is it can accelerate a really great product. And if you have, you know, if you have solid strategy, like you have to be strategic, you have to, um, you have to really put yourself, the best marketers are usually consumers. So what, what's made me, um, a good marketer, um, sometimes great is that I've been a consumer at every level you know so like the reason i'm able to th- to throw a spectacular event is because i've been to a lot of bad ones so i know what i know what to do and what not to do you know the reason that i know this particular piece of content will hit is because i've sat in the seat and listened to dozens of podcasts that aren't helpful to me so it's like okay how how do i do that so in order to be a good marketer to be a good strategist you have to have experience and whatever your life experience is if you can apply that into whatever you know it is that your craft is or something your product something that you're trying to build like it's easy to market marketing to me is is a lot easier than people make it to be um but it can be it can be very difficult if you don't have good product if you don't have a good story if you don't have a good idea that's when i feel like it gets difficult and one thing else that I that I will say um, to, to your point of like I have something that's good. How do I get people there? You gotta, you gotta be relentless in a way. Uh, if you know your product is good, you can't see it as like you're annoying people. You can't see it as like you're getting out. Like you'll learn how to market better, but like even in the way in which you got in contact with me, that's good marketing. Because like you've forgive me, you've been you've been writing to me for, for a very long time on, on social media, right? And it's like, you I have this thing. But it wasn't until you were ready to tell me, you I have this thing that I really would appreciate. if you. Got... So you, even the way you crafted, like getting me to this, like that's, that's something that you can implement into your marketing strategy. Because it's like, you don't want to bleed people to death, but you want to show that you have quality. And at the end of the day, if you convert me and it's quality, the best form of marketing is still word of mouth. To this day, it's still word of mouth, and to like, and, and you now have extensions of word of mouth with social media. So it's never been easier to market than it is now. But to to the point earlier, you have to crack that code, right? So it's like, no, I have this quality thing. I have to continue to get this quality thing out, and just trust my not only my product, but that I'm developing a strategy and getting this product out
0: yes I, I just think that's very important is consistency persistence and undeniable like i really like watching old stuff like even today i seen again when puffy was on the phone with mtv and he throws the phone and he's like i'm a savage and it's just like he he has this undeniable like i'm going to fucking win he, he says it he says like look i'm gonna win he said I'm going to win. Th- y'all are not going to play with me. Y'all not going to put Britney Spears at the time. He said, I'm going to win. And and you yep. have to have that, but I also think you have to have a good trusted circle around you to let you know, and that's not going to bullshit you. Like, hey, bro, like everybody raps, everybody does a podcast. All of that is yep. like, is it good? Will I come back and listen to it? Or am I just telling you it's good because I like you? You know, it's just very important to know your value and know your worth and just like for me one of my biggest fears is that I'm cool with getting low numbers and gaining and building because what if you say hey today Reggie I have a million dollar offer for you right now you ready to go if I don't put in that work that's not good if I just take it and I fumble the pack that Cam gave me because it's like I'm not ready for it you know you girly you gotta put in the time put in the effort put in the work and you just got to everything in due time. Everything is a process and you can't, I love, I keep hearing the mantra over and over. You cannot miss no steps on the way to success. You can't just tomorrow be great. You have to, you know, Hey, I had a a good opportunity. I lost the opportunity. I had money. I lost money. You have to go through all those steps, man. So this one question before we get into the legendary do say Palooza music in your life. And what does it do mm-hmm. to people? What do you feel like it do to people? Like, how does music play, like, it's just such a big role in your life? And, you know, it I, I, it helped you develop what is, we know, as Do Say Palooza.
1: Uh, music has been just, music has been crucial in my life. Like Like I mentioned in the beginning, like, my father was a musician. So, like, I woke up to the keyboard being played, songs being sung, like you know, you you talk about church. So you know you speak about like what that music does to your soul. And then like growing up, um, you know, how I grew up, just the 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 way in which people were able to express themselves through music, I always envied artists because like that to me was always the clearest form of communication was was music. So when I when I think about the impact that music has had on, on my life um, from a personal standpoint, there's not a situation that I've experienced or gone through that music hasn't helped me through. You know, um, whether you're talking about, you know, struggling in school, struggling just in, in life, going through a breakup, um, financial hardship, um, you know, even even on the journeys that I'm on now, you know, trying to trying to level up and be the best best man I can be, be the best businessman, I can be like, there's a, there's a song lyric for everything. You know, so for for me, music has has always been a go-to for 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 you know for, for healing, for for you know, for relief, for for um, you know, for advice. So like this, it's always been just an instrumental part of my life. And it's in the fabric of everything pretty much to this point in my life that I've done. So um I don't I, I think you know, if you if you look at any of our lives um, but you know speaking about mine in particular um I don't know what that looks like with, without music
0: definitely like now do you have a song that was on your heart today or that you was just thinking of that you played today uh for me today uh I wanted to hear Sade No Ordinary Love when I woke up this morning did you have a song today that was a vibe for you today
1: today no Cause I, I just, I woke up in kind of a, a weird mood um, and just with the way some things were moving, I kind of had to just get into to the flow of my day. So I didn't have that pleasure today, but I listened to, normally I listen to a lot of, uh, a lot of old soul music. So I listened to like my playlist, I mean, I know it's cool now for everybody to say there's no rap in their playlist, oh, but I, I when you get past play. 30
0: when you get past 30, it's like, Oh, rap is so 19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I And don't get me wrong. I still love everything about rap, but when I'm, when I'm like in a good or bad mood, like I, I go to my, I go to my, my playlist It's called easy listening. Whereas a lot of, there's a lot of Frank Jackson. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, Jackson, a lot of, um, a lot of Marvin Gaye. Um, there's a lot of a lot of Jodeci even still um there's music like that like anything that's like that predates pretty much like 1996 oh, and yeah. that that's that's where I usually go um in part where it takes me at, at, to my, to my childhood but even beyond that like I had the pleasure of like I say growing up with a father who, who was a musician um my, my uncle my aunt like they were all musicians so i I was listening to you know i was listening to ready for the world you know what i'm saying when my friends were were still listening we're listening to method man and red man you know so like things of that nature um have, have really played a, a huge role in my life so usually when i'm when i'm waking up or when i'm going throughout my day like or if you if you happen to pull up on me at a light i'm listening to something like that
0: definitely man um i've been really vibing to um uh what was KC and Mary J. Blige, if loving you is all that I have to do, but the Unplugged version, I've been on that vibe. Uh, Last week, I was on that Heavy. That's a classic. If you've never seen it, ladies and gentlemen, it's on YouTube, uh, Uptown, Unplugged. Man, oh, it was legendary. That that back and forth between her and him and Mary was just, oh, man, it was just musical greatness, man. But another thing that was pure genius and greatness and this was born out of like i love hip-hop in our culture black culture because it's always birthed out of something natural and what was something natural that i've been to two of them in atlanta i was trying to get to the one and made in america i couldn't yeah. get to it but i went to two in atlanta when y'all had the olympic shirts those was yeah. fire yeah. those is yeah. fire the yeah. olympic shirts but My if, oh yeah if you don't know what we're talking about man they the Duce Palooza man it didn't start out. I'm gonna let the creator tell his own story of it, but it's just something or organ- get. I, I listen to Kaz a lot, I listen to Rory, the squad man. I really like them, fuck with them good people. I met them at Duce Palooza. They would people just walking around. I would see you on stage, I would see Kaz with the water gun, and it's Rory just around. You know, you could pick out Rory. Cause you know, hey, right. he's roaring. <laughs> so it's like, but man, just talk about just something organic turning into something that was probably life changing for you.
1: Yeah, I think, um, like most, like most great things, and I, I, I will, I will say that that I lose is a great thing. Um, it started out of really just something very practical, where we wanted to not party. Um, in the clubs, because you know, like New, New York, New York, uh, New York City nightlife was not—it it just wasn't like that. Like no one wanted to stand in line for two hours to try to get in the party to pay eighty dollars to just to, just to get in, to then spend another two hundred dollars trying to get drunk. And you know the music's bad. So then we, um, you know, I remember at that time uh, when, when we first started. I'll give you a, a little backstory. Um, just of, of, of how we got to where we were. Um, I wasn't working at the time that that, that that party started and it was it was meant to be just a year like I won't compare it to a 2020 how bad it was, but it was it was 2012 and it was one of the worst years at the time of my life wow. and I just wanted to celebrate getting through it. you know so it was like call up call up some close friends um, you know let's, let's let's drink some yak and like you know that's invites people and, and and that's that's literally how it started it, it's not this grand like scheme that people thought it that thought it to be and all i did to to scale it and to develop it and to grow it was i just listened to like my instinct and to the people and the the another another just hack about marketing is people will tell you what they want you it's just up to you to to deliver And, you know, if that if that that aligns with what you want to do, then then you build it, you build it. And so when we were going through it, like there was no grant plan. Like I I had no plan on this being a business. I had no plans on made in America. Yeah. You know, the the Barclays Center made in America. I had no plan in this being a functioning company, but I did know that I was enjoying it. And not only was I enjoying it and the, the the folks involved were enjoying it but also the consumer was enjoying it because it was it was like we weren't we weren't super unique in what we were doing i think we were just we were really good at it and what people what people loved even more than that was that we were we were accessible so it it felt it felt like very much if you if you came to that party you felt like you were you were one of us. So it felt like a a room of friends. And I, I thought that that was so valuable to, to what we were able to, what we were able to do. And like I said, it not being something that I foresaw to be what it became, I wasn't thinking about brand partnerships. I wasn't thinking about none of that stuff. Like I was just like, yo, how can we throw the best possible event back to my college days? How can we throw the best possible event, you know, with what we have? And it turns out eight, nine years later, a lot of people like cognac and a lot of people like good music, you know, and a lot of people like an environment that allows them to just come as they are and be. And it's like, everyone's just, you know, it's turn up, turn up, turn up. There's people who come there just to get their sip on, listen to some music and they leave, you know? And so we we have like just different pockets of consumer that, that are coming there for different reasons. And I thought that was so dope is that, Yes, we had this one particular product, if you will, which was a party, but it was so diverse and so flexible. And like you could come there for this one kind of experience that we had and get each person to come there and say they got something different out of, out of the experience. So I thought that was super valuable for us. And as we as we built it and as, as we grew it, I always um, I always wanted to make sure that we were just being true to who we were as uh, as, as people. So like, there was a lot of, there were a lot of, a lot of deals we turned down. There were a lot of, a lot of artists that we didn't book. There were a lot of um, just, you know, things that we didn't do because, and you can ask anybody, I, for me, it was always the integrity of what we were doing first. And if it wasn't dope, we weren't going to do it. And if it was dope, I'm not going to spare an expense to do it so there were a lot of times when you know i didn't make money but we put on a heck of a show you know so and i i i I felt fulfilled with that like yeah of course you want to you're in business you want to make money um but more important to me than the money was just the experience and like the testimonials and people saying "Yo, this is the best thing i've ever been to or like this uh, or even seeing people start to want to do their own version of it, you know, or their own variation of it, which to me was super dope. Um, you know, to to a point until you see people just playing on imitating you. Yeah, but, yeah it gets crazy. But, but to but to to even see people just inspired to do something on their own or with their with their group with their group of friends, that was so dope to me. And just to see what what we were able to do. In that time, um, and just to, to understand that you can't tell, um, you can't tell the story about New York culture, um, hip hop culture during the 2010s without mentioning us. I just think that is incredible. You know, I, I think even down to to our interactions with artists. Like we've we've brought some artists to the big stage for the very first time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've brought we've brought some artists back to life. And Dipset and um, all of
0: them different people, you know,
1: like we, we, and I think that was always something that, that was a key thing for me too. Is like, yeah, listen to other, listen to people, like give the people what they want, but also listen to myself. And like, when we booked, I remember like, for instance, when we booked Ja Rule, like he was, he was not well portrayed in, in, in media at that time. This was shortly after Firefest and all that stuff. So like, you know, yeah, of course, we we even got some of those jokes as well. But in my mind, I kept saying, I'm like, yo, yeah, ja Rule is an icon. And we're gonna put if him on the. If you ain't living
0: that era, you just don't understand.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so that, that's part that goes back to experience as well, right? So it's like, you know, I know in my brain when we put him on our stage, what's gonna happen. So it's like we took the great product that we had, we put a little bit of gasoline on it with an artist, and like, you know, let's just see what happens when we put them together. So um So yeah, I I think, um, you know, Palooza was a, was a great thing, Um, um, you know, for me, for me as an individual, um, it it grew me tremendously as a, as a man, you know, forget a businessman or a marketer, it just grew me as a man. And I think like, you see all the stuff that I'm, that I'm starting to do and do now, like without that chapter of my life and learning everything that I learned, I don't, I don't get i don't get
0: to, to to hear you know so yeah man. and man shout out to some more friends i'm thinking of uh austin mills It's austin mills right uh mm-hmm. dj um i'm also uh into photography shout out uh ravey you know the queen <laughs> i want to say the queen of hip-hop i want to say the queen of r&b <laughs> I seen her walking around with Mike Carson on that uh, Travis Scott. I was like, oh, shit. They all read." I was like, yo, like, you really, you know, have some friends doing cool things. And I think everybody wants to bring their friends and get on and everything be great. But we also know it's always ups and downs. So talk about the pros and cons of doing business with your friends. Low-key, shout-out Low-key, too, man. The playlist crazy. Shout-out Low. I
1: think. Yeah, um, there, the pros and cons to doing business with your friends. Um, the pros should be, one, that there's, there's a level of accountability with people that you're cool with or friends that there may not be with strangers because, you know, you guys have that, that deepened relationship. Um, another pro is the way you're able to enjoy probably a win, after is, it's nothing like that, you know, like that, that like you, it's much better to celebrate a win with, with people that you're cool with as opposed to, um, you know, strangers, like that, it just feels, it feels a lot better. Um, I would say the the cons of it can be that, that comfortability piece as well. Like there's two sides to every coin. So, you know, it's, if you, someone may take reprimand personally, you know, like people may, because you are cool, not not work as hard or not go, you know, not go as hard. Because you know, at the end of the day we we still we were boys like, you know, so they people know even that they got that that little bit of leeway. So I'd say that that's something that I've definitely learned, you know, over the course of that is just how to how to be how to hold how to hold people accountable um, for, for their part in things and you know and still make sure that we're 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 keeping the main thing. The main thing was like, yes, we are friends. Yes, we're cool. But we we came here to do a job, you know, and nothing, nothing supersedes that. So even in getting, as you know, people don't want to hear that at times. Mm-hmm. So getting even blowback from that, um, you know, as, as a leader, I, I take, I take that. And it but it's because like as we got into it, I, I just knew we're here for something great. And we're here for, for for something that is bigger than all of us. So my job as a leader is to hold is to hold everyone accountable in a whole the feet to the fire. And some, some respond, some respond well to it. Some don't. And I think that's just something that you, that you deal with and something that you, you, you move through. But um, yeah, I think just learning that part of it again has, has shaped me in a way of, you know, whatever I do, like keeping that accountability at, at the forefront, and just making sure like you know the saying like yeah we're gonna keep the main thing the main thing like that's that becomes even more more visible and more more prevalent you know if you if you are doing business with with friends or with with people that you that you know
0: now speaking of business you did the biggest business in the world with the do say move man just man hove and just, man, you we got to get into, like, the first time meeting hove, Are you nervous? Do you act weird? Are you st- you're not acting yourself? And when you get the call that, hey, we want to change this into something else, something different, like, what is that feeling like, the music you grew up on to be doing business? Even for me with this podcast, I really thank you for coming on. Like, to go to a say Palooza didn't have the – founder of it on is crazy so to go from listening to music from getting calls to representatives that hey um jay-z and his company they want to do business with you how is that feeling
1: um i think i think you know bigger than even like the the image and the and the feeling of of um you know jay rock say coming on um i think what i what i was most appreciative of was um, that someone outside of our immediate circle um saw the value in us and and they also saw you know not only the value in us but what what we what we were able to do on our own and like how that aligned with with someone like that i think that was that was what i appreciated the most you know getting into you know just how how the meetings and, and, and those things went i mean it was i kind of Played the situation in my head a few different ways before beforehand and you know what i did appreciate again was that value piece and how they saw the value in us but then even in having the conversation it was exactly it was exactly what i thought it would be and he was exactly who i thought he who i thought he was you know and it's my my years of listening to the music and 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 you know think feeling feeling like i had a sense for for, for personality and um you know what he was able to share with me just in, in, in his experiences, you know, trying to build his businesses and brands. And like, I, I really I really held on to that and appreciated, um, you know, those things. And I think for us, what it did was we were already who we were um, beforehand. And all that all that showed to me is that one, we were right about who we were, but then also like there was finally someone who was in a position in corporate, you know, or whether in a business state, um, who, who understood culture and who understood who we were in the culture and wanted to align with that. Like I saw it more so as like, we, we didn't, you know, I'm blessed to say we didn't seek that out. It, It sought us out. So, you know, that, that, that was good. That was good for us. And I think like you saw, you, you, you saw what the, what the end product of that was, you know, like when we, when we just had, you know, we had some help, you know, we had some help in the cosign that we were able to take this from from where it was, not even where it started because it started in the house. But at the time when we did that deal, we were doing major music venues. So we were still doing, you know, 3,000, 4,000 people. But then we go from that to, you know, being being able to accelerate this thing into the Barclays Center at, um you know, at 10 plus thousand people. And then we're able to, you know, what I'm saying, do the festivals. We're able to almost start treating this thing as a business and as an artist. You know, and like, I think that was such a such a cool thing for us. And you know, like you know, shout out, shout out to Lenny. Lenny was was super instrumental
0: Lenny, yes. in, in
1: that process for us. And you know, I, I think, and we, we, you know, we go back to learning. And like I think, just the way I was able to learn more um, about the business side of things and the way those things work was, was huge for me, you know, because like, I was, I, I've, I've done, you know, I've been blessed to do hundreds of deals, but um, that was the first deal I had ever did for myself, you know, or for something that was, was a self-interest to me. And so even like getting in the weeds of that process made me a better businessman. You know, like I just learned, I learned how, like, you know, how value was actually perceived because like, yeah, we, we, we love you. We love what you're doing, but you know, even in that of negotiating like what we needed, you know that was a, that was a big thing for me. And you know, like candidly speaking, when we first went to the table, we were worlds apart—what <laughs> we thought we should get versus what they thought we should get. And you know, then that—but that's business, right? And at the end of the day, like you don't take any of that stuff personal. And I think that's probably my biggest takeaway from from the from the the, the Duce uh, the Duce the Rock situation is like. And, and back to like you know, saying doing business with friends or people that you're cool with. I learned that part of it too. Like yo, people could love you, but it's it, the main thing. Is the main thing. It's like there's a bottom line to it. There's there's a business aspect to it that we're that we gotta we gotta fulfill and we gotta satisfy. So like, man, just a candid, candid, great learning experience um, for me. And like I, that moment, I, I get to, to 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 just you know sitting with Jay and meeting Jay. Um, you know, my favorite rapper of all time, um, the greatest rapper of all time. And as I, as I sat with him, like I said, he was kind of like exactly how I imagined him to be, witty, sarcastic, like super, super funny. Um, you know, the things that he was telling me about us and just our business was super, super humbling and and something that like I carry with me, you know, to this day, because it was still something that, that, you know, that I built. And to know that it made it, all the way to get someone like that's attention and not only get their attention because he knew who we were three years into our thing, but to not only to get his attention and to have him want to work with us was, it's humbling. It's humbling. You know, you, and, you, and I think, you know, beyond like being starstruck and all those things, I, I had just a deep, deep appreciation. For
0: and I, and I think that's what makes him the best it's like he always trying to sharpen his steel you know he's never lacking he's never not knowing when people say little things on twitter or whatever i'm sure he knows when new artists is coming out he knows he knows everything and i think what he respects the most is that y'all grinded it out and y'all figured it out your way and it was like of course in business like you said it's gonna be like hey what you gonna let me do it versus like what's going to actually happen and I think a lot of people respect you more I listened to a podcast about Kevin Garnett and he said he didn't respect you until you talk back to him like he would try mm-hmm. to push you around KG was like if you don't fight me how are we going to fight in battle and I'm supposed to be on your team so I think that's just yep. I just think you deserve that seat at the table so it's like it's beautiful if we do this together but I can, I've been doing yep. this on my own and I think that There's a certain level of respect that comes with that. He knew that, he seen that, he nurtured that. Y'all ended up at the Barclays. And I just noticed with twenty twenty, a lot of people did a lot of things, right? And you didn't know for what or you didn't know why. The way that last Duce Palooza went out was how. If it don't come back for a while, think of just just sit and think. Of course you could think about all the things you lost, but when I seen that video of everybody on stage and when I seen the movement of Fabio bringing the whole hood, when I seen y'all just partying, when I seen a, a party that started out with the homies with some chicken and yep. some drinks and all of that, and it ended up yep. here, That the pandemic showed us that like, yo, whatever you was doing in your life, good or bad, you ended up here. And the good was it ended off crazy at the barclays if you get on youtube type in to say palooza barclay man you gotta see favio just get in that energy he brought and y'all the the genius to have him when a lot of people wasn't really on it at first you know i'm saying to know you know and i know people was tripping like he got too many people and like trust me like just let him do his thing like and just knowing your people and knowing your crowd and stuff like that the way y'all went out, man, it was amazing until it gets back and everything. Just the say Palooza, it just was crazy. But, you know, we talk about Jay-Z just briefly because I, I didn't kept you for a long time already. Uh good, bro. Good. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I did the my first album uh two podcasts ago that I did on here. Man, it's a coincidence that my first album was your first album, man. So life at times of sean carter volume three man what's the song I, I could reiterate it again and go back over it what's the song that you thought was the biggest what's the song you thought that was slept on and what was your personal favorite off that album if you could remember because it was a long time ago
1: biggest song was the lead single which was uh do it again yes with uh with j and beans um you said most slept on.
0: Yeah. The, you know, going back, I, I bought that. I was like in the sixth grade, but you was telling me that you was a sophomore in high yeah, school. I was yeah. So I was listening to it now with my 33 year old ears, I was like, he was really giving a game. Like we told guns, yes. the Grammys where red do rags on, you know, red carpets. Like he was always giving games and stuff like that. So it's just like, what song was a standout. Yeah, so
1: I would say um, my favorite, I, the most slept on song is probably Come and Get Me off of there from just uh, the storytelling to, um, you know, Remove Your Roof, Let the Sun Shine In, 38 Ways to Put One Nine In, Really a 36 Without the Gun, I'm Thin. Like just the way he was set up his bars, insane, slept on record, and then the beat switch. So like, Come and Get Me is probably Slept On to Me. Um, my personal favorite record, um, and this is probably in my in my top three of whole records, is uh, is So Ghetto, and um, and if for nothing for nothing more than the Jigga Man, you rich take the do rag off, bar. Like, and I just thought about because if people people don't remember, well, some people may remember. I'm not gonna act like everybody's a child, but you know that was when that was that was right after after Volume Two. And you know, people were saying that Jay went pop and Jay went commercial because of like the um Hard the record, yeah. Hard Knock Life and all that. And you know, yes, he sold five million. So you saw an artist like struggling in that zone of like, yo, know, going fully. I'm still me, but like I'm getting this, this kind of acclaim now. Um, so you know, like where do I where do I fall in line? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm I'm still going to the award show, but I'm do rag jeans Suited Out, where like I appreciated that line so much because what it spoke to me was that know no matter where you go, you can always be you, and and that was like you know, and that's that's probably super deep for a song like that. But I just I, even down to the title, so ghetto, like you know, what I'm saying like even the way people interpret the word ghetto, like ghetto is just what people see black people do until it becomes popularized. You know what I mean? So it's like for me, I to this day, I listen to that song nonstop and and you know, volume three was just so instrumental in, in my life because I was, I was, I was growing up and I was, I was, I, I skipped a grade. So I was, I was 14 listening to listening to that and like going to school and just like, yo, in my, in my Rockaway jeansuit, suit. Like, and just like, you know, you talk about power, you talk about influence and like, well, all the things that that, that stood for, like, and when you hear people talk about whole albums, they don't mention volume three. You know saying? They talk, they talk reasonable doubt, they talk volume two, um, they talk blueprint, they they talk um even down to the dynasty album, American uh, Gangster, Black Album, American Gangster, um, you know, which which are all phenomenal albums, but like when it comes to like my personal favorite, and like we we spoke about like the part that music plays in your life, like there was that was probably one of the most influential albums in my life. Like, because I didn't I didn't get to listen to reason with that when it came out i wasn't allowed but you know i listened to that when i got older and i'm like yeah this is this is phenomenal but like that was the first album and you, i didn't even buy it i stole it from my sister so (laughs) i stole it from my older sister and being able to to listen to that in my walkman you know every day like every day you know there were other albums there was dmx's second album that came out But, but i was like no this this is hitting me every single day and like you, you want to fast forward now to, to over 20 years later because i was that was 99 like, so over 20 years later and for it to still resonate i still play it you know i'm play it. it's like
0: yeah and things that you do i thought that song was fire but like doing research they was like it was kind of cheesy it was ahead of its time but my young ears i was like bro this swiss beats this sound I was like, I'm fucking with this. I, I I loved it. But I it just, like you said, that album wasn't really received that way. But I think a lot of people, you know, they try to, you know, the whole East Coast, West Coast thing was ending. They start that whole, if Big was still alive, you wouldn't have been this and that. And it's just like he was fighting that. And, you know, it, the saddest thing for me is that he had to keep a smile through like so many people like hating on him but it was like all he did his whole life was hear people talk shit and just like down to his uncle nigga you'll never be LL Cool J he would stalk LL Cool J he would just be it was a personal thing for him like he takes this thing very very serious called rap and he just always it seemed like it seemed like he's fighting, in that album, listen to it when I'm older, it seemed like he's fighting amongst his people when all he was trying to do was uplift his people. And, you yep. know, that's, it's really sad, you know, when you think about it. It's like, damn, you know, like, I thought I'm doing something good and y'all hating on me. Even down to, you said, he went pop with the Hard Knock Life. If you know, Jay-Z owns the rights to that sample that other hip hop people won't have to fight as hard, but he don't run his mouth and tell you all the things he do for push the culture forward. But he gets so much hate all the time in his internal and in his peace, you know, inside. And I definitely want to talk about that with you because you always got the big smile, the cool kid out, man. <laughs> you always keep that, and I know you got a lot going on. So what do you? Yeah. What are things you do to keep your mental peace and to keep that happy, smiley, cam side of you?
1: Um, I think, and that's a, that's a good question um, because I think um, for me, I, I, I I've experienced a lot, right? And so, um, in, in my life, I think what's been key, especially as of recently, because I think what I could I can honestly say that smile and things that you, you've probably seen, you know, in in past years has been probably forced in, in a way to like, you know, try, you know, kind of like smile through the pain. Right. And, and and what, what I've, what I've um, what I've started to do and realize is um, you got to be honest about that pain, right. You got to be honest about what you're going through and just find the proper outlets into which to get it out. So like, you know, I, 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 I'm I a, a huge advocate for, for therapy. Um, and, you know, as, as Black men, especially, you know, we'll, we'll be candid on this on this podcast, like as Black men, I think, you know, we've been made to believe all of these things about therapy and like expressing yourself and like things make you soft and all. And it's like, nah, man, we, we got to start debunking those, those myths. And like, you no know, vulnerability is actually strength. And I, so that's been a huge lesson for me um, you know, so I, I have therapy, I, I have, I have an amazing accountability partner and, and my girlfriend, Chantel, who I'm able to, to speak openly and honestly and candidly. Shout with. out the
0: queen, the queen,
1: shout yeah. out the queen. And, and, you know, amongst that, well, I think it's just been, um, for me, it's been a, a journey with honesty and being honest about all these things. Um, you know, cause it's, it's, it's very easy for me to sit up here in front, like yo, it's it's sweet, you know. Like I, I had this great business, we did all these great things. I'm I'm acclaimed. I have my respect in boardrooms and, and and you know and 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 culture. But you know, now the smile that you see is just is is more genuine, just because I'm happy about it, you know, and I'm honest about it. And what I've what I've experienced, you know, is just that. It's what I've experienced. It's not it's not me. You know, so like things that I've gone through, hardships that I've experienced, um, you know, victories that I've experienced, like wins, losses, everything in between. I've just I've just started to call them exactly what they are, and then deal with them as such. You know, so like I don't get too high, I don't get too low, but I do I do allow myself to to experience and feel everything the way that I need to, and you know, then I'm honest about it. So, yeah, like I'm I'm always I'm always smiling because in my life there's always something to smile about you know even if even if everything is not going the way that i would like for it to go you know i'm i'm here you know i'm breathing like i'm healthy i still have my mind you know like in, in the crazy year that we just experienced you know which I, I was super candid about um i think i posted something around uh, around new years on uh, on instagram just about you know everything that i've lost but also everything that I've gained, you know, and um, I think just tapping into me, the the, the man um, and not letting anything else supersede that, not letting business supersede that, not letting, you know, what my, my place in culture, not letting a job, not letting anything supersede who I am as a man um, is why you see you see what you see now. Like, you know, it, it, it's it's the same smile, but this one don't crack. Because it's 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 rooted in in just and in, in real stuff, you know, and real things. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm thankful that I've been able to to kind of get on that journey, and it's one that I, I encourage everybody else to get on because true true hap- like happiness is like a fleeting feeling to me, like it, it comes and it goes. But like that peace is is what is what is what really is is the thing. And you know, peace is just knowledge, and peace is the knowledge of of knowing that yeah, things ain't all right or things might be a little worse than they, than they were, but it's still, it's going to be good. Like, even if it's not good, it's all right. Even if it's not all right, you know? So my, my goal is, is, is first and foremost peace and, um and, you know, like happiness, it comes. And when it comes, I allow myself to feel it. um And, and, you know, I feel everything else in between that. So.
0: And, and I think what you're saying is just so important because like, I think the therapy is more, I looked up the definition because I did therapy myself um, in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like most people, they really jumped out and was like, yo, I'm sitting with self and I don't really like the feelings I'm getting with self because I can't go out like I used to and, you know, not think about self and think about when I was a child or think about these bad things that happened to me in life. But in the pandemic, you wasn't going nowhere so you had to be faced and therapy in the word therapy is healing and I think that until everybody heals from something it's always gonna be I'm gonna drink it out smoke it out bunch of girls money anything but until you sit with self and you really get that you know that peace and that therapy and that healing now I think therapy is a great thing but anything anybody that can help you or any activity it's watering plants is listening to your favorite song is whatever if you meditation get that peace get that moment that vibe to yourself but you have to heal you know is the thing you know because we all you know depressed people the most depressed person is a comedian most times they they tell jokes all the time and all day and they're funny but most of them are alcoholic drug addicts they fight all of these bad demons and you know i want to you know get into handcrafted and then we'll wrap up that i love that seven-year-old question because i feel like none of us should lose that kid-like person in yep. y- yourself and like when you, when you do that smile that you said that maybe it could have been forced or something it seems like a big kid like cam never grew up he's just got this kid like smile on him but it, it's just like that seven-year-old question you know some people are still hurting from what happened when they were seven years old and you know if yep. if, if your girl or somebody says something to you that somebody that hurts your feelings used to say you might pop off at them like, yo, what? like, yo, but you know, it. so until we heal and know that that person did that, you didn't do that. So I'm not going to get yep. mad at you because you didn't yep. do that. They did that, but I healed from that. So for all of us, black men, women, women, our people, anybody dealing with something, you please heal yourself, whichever way I, I think they're offering a lot more effective and cheaper ways for therapy but any kind of therapy you could find, man, you know, but that seven-year-old question that, that let me know from that first episode, I said, Oh, this is different. This handcrafted is different. So what are you trying to do with this handcrafted podcast every Monday?
1: Yeah. Every Monday, uh, 10 a.m. Eastern, we drop, um, handcrafted was really something that I wanted to do, uh, two years ago. And, um, my, my issue with it, was my issue with most things is just like, how can I differentiate myself? Right. Like, to your point, there's hundreds of podcasts. It's like rap um, now, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's hundreds of podcasts. So it's like, all right, what makes you different? And like, I think for me, I always want to get into like the root of things. And, you know, to, 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 so for me, it's like, yeah, I have all these great relationships, right? I know everyone. So I can, I can, I can get mostly anybody to sit down and have a conversation but I was like, I don't want to have an interview about how cool somebody is mm-hmm. or how they got to become cool. Like, cause like there's, there's there's dozens of those on YouTube. So I was like, you know, for me, I really want to get into the person and then I want to make it super personal. And then that'll lead me to, you know, whatever business, whatever, you know, whatever achievements. So with, with even in like the, the asking, you know, about the seven year old, where were you when you were seven? Um, it, it, it helps to start to paint the picture and as you can see in most episodes we always kind of tie it back but to your point earlier when we're talking about healing and we talking about all these things you sit down and you start talking about your your life in that in that realm in that very personal space you don't realize all that you've been through and you don't realize everything that you've overcome and you don't realize you know like you're you're probably you know people look at me and see what i've accomplished and you know i i haven't told you, like what I've accomplished pales in comparison to what I've overcome, you know? And I think like, that's something that people, that people come and they sit on this couch and, you know, as you can see in some episodes, you, you, you got grown men tearing up because they're just realizing all that they've overcome and all that they've been through. So when I get into handcrafted, yeah, I want to know about, you know, how you built your business. I want to know, you know, some, some tricks of the trade, um, you know, little, little funny stories here and there but I really want to go get into what makes you, you, you know, cause at the end of the day, if you're, whether you're, you know, the CMO of a, of a fortune 500 company or, you know what I'm saying? You're, you're a graphic artist. Like I want to know how you got there and not by what school you went to. Like what, what were your inspirations? Like, what were some of your traumas like what what pushed you into these you know into this in this of this life and what makes you 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 know not not what makes you reg the podcaster, but what what makes you reg you know like what what makes you reg the the, the man you know so um I think that's that's where i want to start with it um and i i love i love what it's doing uh for people um selfishly I love what it's doing for me as i as i'm on my journey and i'm figuring out, you know, just more about myself. I think you, you sit people in that chair and, you know, I, I feel like as I'm asking questions, I'm, I'm asking questions to them and me and I'm, I'm learning, I'm, I'm learning more about myself. Like there's been stuff I've been able to pull from episodes that I'm like, man, this, this applies, you know, to a point in my life, there's things I'm pulling out. Like, man, I wish somebody would have told me this 10 years ago. You know, I wish I would have had this knowledge. So, you know, I think it's just one of those things that it's really, it, it's what I want it to be, which is timeless content. We're not tied to, we're not tied to you know any any events. We're not tied to you know um, what's happening currently in, in pop culture. We're, we're tied to stories and back to marketing, great stories, right? So with 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 handcrafted, the goal is to to get out as many of these helpful stories as as possible. And you know, like yes, the the who is in, the the name is important. Um, you know, for, for people, but I think more important than the name is the who, you know, and, and what people and who people are, because like our our best episode so far, you know, has been uh, Miss Miriam, which is uh, one of Chantel's aunts, and you know, she's she's a legend in in her field and, and you know, production and television, but you know, no one knows that, and then like you 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 get to you hear her interview and the things that she's talking about, you know, it's like yo, bloom where you're planted do you know you're in this season for a reason but like learn everything you need to learn like real life stuff that applies to everyone and you're just like wow this is a gem of of an episode you know like and i think for me it's just it's it's more conversations like that and just pulling stuff that people can learn from And like i don't care if it's i don't care if if, if it's 500 people listening or if it's you know 500 000. um I think that what we're doing with it is just so important and is it's so, it's so helpful um, because like, I feel it right away when when I, when I'm on the couch, you know, and, and hopefully when people turn it on, they, they feel it right away. And that, that that's my goal for, it. I mean, I, I have other goals, like, you know, I want it to be a television show and all of that, but, um, but for, for what we're doing right now, man, it's just, it's, it's been an, an incredible journey and it's just, just getting started. And I, I love, I love what we've been able to do so far, but that pales in comparison to to my excitement for what we, what we're going to be able to do with it.
0: Yes, man. And that episode with her and um, even the last episode you dropped on Monday, you could just tell it was like with her, it felt like therapy for you. Like you just felt like you were just like, I'm just going to sit here and let you do it. It seemed like she was the host and you were the guest on yeah. that one. Cause yeah. She just was so smooth and just so elegant and just it just and then it's just something about a black woman's voice that could just like it puts you in a calm and gives you that like motherly feel of like, I'm just going to sit back and listen. And I'm going to let you do your thing and even uh, forgive me. Uh, who is the guest on Monday that you have? Uh, Charles, Charles. Man, it just him talking about you know, all the things he went through and then just not noticing. And like you said earlier, you really don't notice like, well, damn, that was traumatic or that was bad. But like, I didn't know at the time it was just my life. And you could just hear him talking about it. And, you know, you could see like for yourself and him, it's always a strong black woman behind it, man. So big up the black queens that really help us and and just guide us, man. And that's for my podcast. That's what I like to bring people on That I believe in that I think is great and I just want to uplift them and tell their stories and let them know and I want it to be I named it this is recorded because if you're having a bad day, you can go back and listen to a recorded conversation about you or something good or something funny, or just something positive that is a recorded conversation. Or it's something that you said that you really stand on and it's recorded for everybody to listen to. So that's how I came up with the name. This is recorded and how I end every podcast is a little segment. I call speak it into existence because I just want everybody to manifest their dreams and their aspirations and their goals. Like when it's all said that when everybody looks back at cam and just thinks of all the things he's done and all the places he's been and, people he's touched and the handcrafted and all the marketing, everything like that. Speaking into existence for you, what's like the most important things you want people to say about you with their experiences with you?
1: Um, I, I would want people to, to say, to say it was my funeral. I would want people to say that, um, I was a good man to, to myself. I was a good man to others. And I improved every single situation in every single room that I was in. Um, what's important to me more than any accomplishment is my impact. And I would just love to, for it to be said that I positively impacted everyone that I, that I came across. You know, Even if some people don't even feel it in that moment or even five years from now, people will be able to look back on me I'll be able to look back on myself my family will be able to to look back and 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 cherish the positive impact that I had um that's the most important thing to me however that lives on you know whether that lives through through children through through foundation through just work that I've done um that's what I want people to say about me more than any accomplishment you know what I'm saying like that I created this or I was the man who did this like I I was like, you know, that, that man touched my life in in a way, you know, and that that's my goal, um, in life is to is to positively impact, you know, not only my own life, but uh, but but everybody that I come in in, in contact with.
0: And this is recorded.